bring the lead up to Easter, guys. In fact, next, um, next week is Easter Sunday, which is awesome. Traditionally, um, one of the things that um, people preach on um, in the lead up to Easter is um, you know, the triumphant entry into, into Jerusalem, like Jesus coming in while the crowd is sort of sitting there and going, you know, crown him, crown him, here's the coming of the king. And sort of like a week later, um, same crowd is going, crucify him, crucify him, which is always interesting. Or, or one of the other things that we could, could have preached on is um, the Last Supper. You know, the last time he's hanging out with the disciples and, and, and just breaking bread with them, including the person who eventually betrays him, which I think is a pretty amazing picture. Like Shannon last week talked about the fact that Jesus eats with everyone. Now, the thing that gets me about the Last Supper, there's some incredible stuff goes on, but Jesus actually ate with Judas before Judas betrayed him. Mm. And it freaks me out. And it trips me out, and it's really interesting. We could have um, preached on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, where Jesus is, um, you know, and the, um, the figurative language sort of talks about, you know, Jesus is literally sweating. Like, sorry, the figurative language is Jesus is sweating like he's sweating drops of blood. And so the pressure of what's to come before him, and he's to the point that he's asking his father, Father, what is your will for my life? Do you want my, you know, do you want me to go through with this or have you got another plan? We could talk about Peter denying Jesus after the Last Supper. So Peter um, saying, I'll never turn away from you. And Jesus says, you know, before before sunrise, you'll deny me three times. And I really felt that the thing that I wanted to speak about today, and it's really interesting, is that um, I want to tell you a story of restoration, because that for me, that's, the, that's part of the story of Easter. Is that um, what, what began, you know, as soon as we, what began, as soon as we um, got to the point where um, we, we mucked up, and the rest of the Bible is a story of... Um, of God reconciling and redeeming mankind to himself. Like, that's, that's it. So what started, and so the, the start of that story is, um, starts at Christmas, and now we're almost at Easter. But I want to tell you about a story of restoration. The interesting thing, and I only really found out, I only really realized it this week, was that um, in Mark, um, the last... The last healing, the last miracle that Jesus did, like the last recorded miracle in Mark, is actually the story of blind Bartimaeus. I'd never seen that before. So basically, you know, all of the stuff, triumphant entry, um, last supper, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter denying Jesus. There's, there's a period before that where he basically hacks off every religious person that he could. Um, it's just an argument after argument. Um, but the, his last actual healing in, in the Gospel of Mark is actually this, he heals this blind guy called Bartimaeus. And so that's what I wanted to focus on today. Because the thing is, is that the story of Easter is an incredible story. It's both a corporate story where all of humankind is redeemed. But it's also a personal story as well. So in and amongst all of this, he's on the way to one of the most important things that's ever happened in the history of humankind. And he takes time to heal this one dude. So this is the story. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's in Mark 10. Um, it's verse 46 to 52. So it's a grand total of six verses. Um, the, the translation I'm going to use today is the Passion Translation for no other reason than... Uh, I don't know, it sounds kind of cool. 
So it's Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus, verse 46. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus, so yeah, anyway. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now in my affliction, heal me. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all of his might, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling for you. Um, and some of the other translations it actually says, it's your lucky day, shut up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my version. So he threw off his biggest cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus. Amazing. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, there's an end suddenly. The man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with him. I love that story. I think, it, I think it's actually a pretty incredible story. Um, there's so many, so many things that we can pull out of that. Um, in most of the translations, um, in most of the translations, the, the prayer is, Son of David, have mercy on me, full stop. Um, in the message, it says, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Son of David, help me. All right? But I love the fact that Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wanted. See, the thing is, is that we can sit there and we can look at people in their situations and in their afflictions and think that we know what they need. Whereas Jesus actually genuinely asked. He didn't just assume. How often do we do that? We assume, I know what you need. But he also desired Bart. I'm going to call him Bart because I get a bit tripped up on Bartimaeus every now and again. So I'm just going to call him Bart if that's okay. And apparently transformative is also another word there. Which is going to be tough because I've put it in there about five or ten times. But he also desired um, Bartimaeus to be specific about what he wanted, what he needed. What do you want from me? What an incredible question for a saviour to ask us. What do you want from me? See, Bartimaeus could have, as a beggar, the most obvious thing for Bartimaeus to have asked for was money or food. I, ne- I need to survive. I need to be able to, I need enough for today. But the great thing was, is that Bartimaeus wanted to see. He saw Jesus. He saw this saviour that was on his way, that was on his way, you know, people didn't know, but he was on his way to this triumphant entry. He was on his way to the cross. And Bartimaeus could recognize in Jesus just in his passing by, couldn't see him, but could recognize in him something that could um, change his life forever. See, it's really interesting. Bartimaeus had faith. And as he called out to Jesus, he was actually professing his faith. He was saying, I know who you are, Jesus. You can help me. He didn't start with um, a little... A lit- uh, why can I not say that word? A litany of good works, like a list of, hey, Jesus, here's all the good deeds that I've done today, so can you help me? He didn't barter, Jesus, if you help me in this way, then I will do this for you. But he simply trusted that Jesus was willing and able to heal him. 
There's a few things that I'd love for us to just um, get out of this story. See, in the Bible, first and last are really important. First and last are really important. First mentions and last mentions are really important. So for the fact that Mark put this as the last miracle before Jesus went to the cross, this is important to us. Or at least it was important to Mark, and he thought it was something that we should... You with me? So the first thing I wanted you to take from this story is that Jesus restores that which was lost. So yeah, God is a God of restoration. So he operates in that, quite often the, the devil will operate one way and our saviour operates another. De- the devil prowls around looking to steal, kill and destroy, looking to take away from our lives. But Jesus came to give us life and life abundant. He wants, to, he wants us to have a more than life. Bartimaeus started out the day as blind Bartimaeus. Guess what he was called by the end of the day? Well, Bartimaeus. (laughs) See, the thing is, is his his affliction, the thing that was the thing that was with him, and he'd probably he'd carried for however long that he'd been blind for. It defined him. It defined who he was. It's how people saw him. It's how people. It's what people associated him with. See, Bartimaeus started the day out as blind Bartimaeus. But by the end of the day, he was Bartimaeus, which is incredible. In biblical times, you were identified by your afflictions. You know, uh, Rahab the harlot, Bob the demon-possessed, John the leper. I put a joke in just for Kim, but she's not here. Kim the old and wise, um, and she would have yelled at me then. See, the thing is, is that can be true today as well, where our afflictions define us. It becomes, it's so, such a part of our identity that we can't see ourselves as anything other than afflicted. We see ourselves as stressed. We see ourselves as poor. We see ourselves as sick. We see ourselves as addicted. We see ourselves as broken. We become wrapped up in a label or an identity and it defines the way that we live our lives, the way that we see ourselves and the way that we process the world in front of us. But the thing is, is that in this story and everything that follows, it actually shows that that's not actually our future. There's a different destination and a different pathway for us. There's another way that we can live. And Bartimaeus recognized this in the moment. This was the moment for him. He could either recognize that Jesus was the only way that his, um, his sight could be healed. Or he could let the moment pass. One opportunity. Don't let this... Anyway, forget it as an Eminem reference. Mum's um, forgetting. See, the thing is, is that God's grace is sufficient for us today. When Bartimaeus' healing is mentioned, it's actually the Greek word sozo. Okay, so when, 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 quite often in the Bible, when the word saved is used, when you see the word salvation... The Greek word, or the Greek root word, is actually sozo. And the great thing is that sozo actually means more than just saved. It means more than just healed. It's actually a really complicated word. So the Greek word sozo is best defined with multiple terms. Delivered, saved, restored, healed, rescued, uh, preserved. That sounds like pickled. Made whole. There's at least an implication there. When Bartimaeus received his sight back, that he was actually saved, healed, delivered, sight restored, all at the same time. How incredible is that? There's other examples when the, um, when the friends lower um, their mate through the roof. 
Same word, saved, sozo. Okay, your fa- your fa- the, fr- the faith of your friends has saved you. The faith of your friends has sozoed you. Alright? It's really interesting. See, the thing is, is that Jesus can restore whatever in your life that the devil has tried to steal from you. The second thing is, is that God's not just a God of restoration. He doesn't just restore us to our former, former glory, restore us to the, as good as we once were. He actually wants to, um, he doesn't just want us to get us back to our, he's a God of transformation. See, um, when you get a hold of Jesus, when you let Jesus work on your life, he calls what is not as if it will be. He doesn't just speak to our present situation. He speaks to our future potential. He, speak, he speaks to where we are going to go. God doesn't just want us to get back into our, our previous former state. And when we're in a state of brokenness, the best thing that sometimes we sit there and we hope for is, man, if only, could I, if I, if only I could be as good as I was before. See, that's restoration. But God doesn't just want to restore us. He wants to transform us. Our life's never the same again. See, the thing is, is that um, quite often um, we look at John 3.16, and I I love John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, that would be be pretty good. I would take salvation. If if all Jesus did when he died on the cross was to save our immortal soul, it's a pretty good deal. That's That's actually really quite good. But there was so much more happening on the cross at the time. How do, we, how do we know that? Well, see, the thing is, is that Jesus still took the time to heal people. He took the time to, um, to cast demons out of people. He took the time to raise people from the dead. We sometimes think that God's here to condemn us. Like that's, the issue is, is that um, in the context of everything that we've done, we've already condemned ourselves. It's not actually a condemnation story when Jesus comes. It's a rescue story. So, so we, we, we focus so much on verse 16. And then in verse 17 in John, John 3, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, not just Jews, but Gentiles. Not just Gentiles, but the broken, the unloved, the hopeless. See, the thing is, is that one encounter with Jesus and Bartimaeus was never the same again. I think one of the cool things was, was that Bartimaeus' response to that wasn't just a, Jesus, I can see now, thank you so much, have a really good time on your way to Jerusalem. Bye. He didn't just sit on the road being thankful, but actually he actively followed Jesus. So his first response was to, was to follow his, his master. He identified that Jesus had authority over his life and he started to walk after him. He started to go on the journey with him. See, some of us are sometimes happy to be restored to our previous best state rather than pressing on to all that Jesus has for us. Here's the really important thing, though, is that um, Bartimaeus actually threw off his old clothes. So in preparation of running to Jesus, he actually threw off his old clothes now, what, back in those days, what do you think beggars wore? Yeah, it was actually essentially, sat, it was essentially sackcloth. But what would happen is that the, um, the um, officials, we needed to know who was a legitimate beggar and who was, um, and who was just someone that was just trying to get like, money and arms from people, okay? 
So like back in um, biblical times, what would happen is that you would literally wear a beggar's cloak. It was like your sign of office in the same way that a judge would wear a certain, certain piece of clothing in the same way that um, the, the, the temple priests would wear a certain type of clothing. Beggars literally had cloaks that they wore. So when Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, even before the point that Jesus healed him, he was declaring, because of Jesus, I'm not a beggar anymore. Because of Jesus, I'm saved out of my current situation. Because of Jesus, I have faith that my life is never going to be the same again. See, so he threw off his old clothes in expectation of his restoration and transformation. He didn't wait for Jesus to transform him. He started to take steps towards that because he knew that Jesus would change him. He knew that Jesus would transform, transform him. He knew that Jesus would heal him. He had faith. How often in our lives do we sit there and we go, man, once Jesus gets a hold of my life, then I'll be able to do that. There's things that we can do in our lives that are actually moving us towards the expectation and the faith rising in our lives. So if you want to be, um, if you want to be healed, then one of the things that you can do is you can pray for other people for healing. Um, so one of the greatest um, healing evangelists I ever saw was like, had like um, all kinds of afflictions. Um, they had uh, like their, their son was sick. Um, there was like three or four things. Can you remember? Um, anyway, moving on. That was half a thought. Um, see, by healing him, oh, sorry, Bartimaeus moved in faith. He started taking steps towards his eventual um, restoration and transformation. By healing him, Jesus actually took away Bartimaeus' old identity. When we come into an encounter with Jesus where we receive salvation, it actually changes us on a number of levels. Stuff that used to be okay is, is potentially not okay anymore or will feel increasingly not okay. Our outer garment can signify our old self, and, and that's what it does in this story. So at the response to the Lord's call, the outer garment was thrown off. See, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are... We are in Christ. Uh, in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Bartimaeus didn't want to live in his old condition anymore. Sometimes, as Christians, isn't it? Isn't it sometimes the certain spaces and places that we go, particularly when we're under stress, that's comfortable? You know, it's, and what it is is it's like putting on the old clothes again. They don't fit us anymore. That we actually understand that are potentially a bit stinky now. Hebrews 12.1 tells us to throw off everything that hinders us. Why did Bartimaeus throw off his old clothes? Because they were the clothes of a beggar and he wasn't one anymore. He knew, he had faith that Jesus was going to change his life. See, we need to be like that. Oh, sorry. We are like that when we encounter Jesus and we receive salvation. We see with new eyes and some of the old stuff that used to look attractive now doesn't look so attractive. In fact, it might look a little bit dirty. I think that's why they turn the lights off in pubs. So finally, Bartimaeus wasn't afraid of standing out from... So in this story, Bartimaeus wasn't afraid of standing out from the crowd in order to come into the presence of Jesus. He wasn't afraid of standing out from the, the crowd in order to come into everything that Jesus has for him. For me personally, I think his salvation began at the point where he confessed, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you might wonder why 
why it was interesting that the, the, the crowd told him to shut up when he said Jesus, son of David. When, the, when Bartimaeus cried out, the crowd tried to silence him. They tried to take away his only means to obtain his miracle. He had no sight. He had no direction. And his only livelihood was being able to beg. Being able to beg. His voice was his only hope. When Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, this was actually revolutionary. This was a messianic name. So what Bartimaeus was literally saying was, Jesus, you are the Messiah. It was uh, in Mark in particular, it was actually the first public declaration of Jesus as Messiah. It had happened before, but only in private. Um, Son of David was a messianic name. He had the boldness to declare in public what had only previously been whispered in private. Bartimaeus didn't care about the thoughts of man. His only concern was Jesus' thoughts towards him. What a great attitude to have as we enter into Easter. Hey. To not worry about the thoughts of man, but just worry about Jesus' thoughts towards us. The people around him change their attitudes like the wind. Why listen to the multitude of voices, the naysayers, when the voice of Jesus himself can be heard in their lives? How good, how wonderful was it for us to hear the voice of Jesus? So if you've got critics in your life at the moment... What are you listening to those voices for? How good, how wonderful is it that we can hear the voice of Jesus? If you've got people speaking against you, if you've got people operating against you, why worry about that? How good, how wonderful is it to hear the voice of Jesus? See, the thing is, Bartimaeus' prayer, which, was a, which is what it was, he literally spoke to the Son of God, like it's a prayer. His cry of desperation arrested the attention of heaven. The the crucifixion was shifted by five minutes because Bartimaeus cried out and Jesus stopped and heard. How good, how wonderful is it that Jesus hears our voice? Jesus, the Son of God, stopped and spoke. Jesus stopped for the one. I like to think as we come into Easter that Jesus would have went to the cross for the one. If it was just one, one would have been enough. If it was just you, you would have been enough. Can you picture that for a moment? There was a great multitude of people surrounding Jesus. He was just passed through Jericho to one of his final destinations, Jerusalem. The triumphant entry in Jerusalem, the Last Supper... The Garden of Gethsemane, the trial, the torture, the cross, the tomb. And yet he stopped when he heard a heartfelt, desperate cry. Jesus, have mercy on me. If we were to say it today, Jesus, help. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. For pretty much everyone in this room, our salvation began at the point that we confessed that, Jesus, I've tried doing it on my own, and I don't know how, and I need you. Jesus, help me. What a powerful prayer. Here's my question then. What are you crying out for today? Will you let the crowd drown out your voice? Will you let embarrassment get in the way of your miracle, your transformation? So when it comes to the point of salvation, if we, if we take that where it's um, sozo, 
saved, healed, delivered, preserved, set free. See, one of the really um, interesting things and one of the testimonies that I absolutely love as a first generation Christian, if your testimony, your testimony is powerful, if your testimony is Jesus preserved me, my parents were Christians, my grandparents were Christians, I've lived a great Christian life. See, that's a testimony of preservation. That gets me every time because I'm first generation. So the preserving power of Christ is actually a powerful testimony to non-Christians. I didn't get into that kind of trouble because Jesus preserved me. It's a powerful thing. Your testimony is powerful. What comes out of your mouth is powerful. So what's coming out? See, I don't know what your situation is at the moment. It might seem impossible. It might seem hopeless. Mark 10, 27, so just before this, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. If it's in God's will, if it's in line with the way that he operates in his character. We need to put ourselves in a position where we know that Jesus is willing and able to contend for us in our situation. Not only that, he knows where we are now, and he begins to prophesy and speak over our our life to come as well. We're going to have a time of prayer. I really want you to come down if you need transformation in your life. It could be an attitude. You could be, you could be carrying something that means that um, you don't quite see the world the right way. It could be a situation in your life that you just, you just need to cry out to Jesus for. It could be an affliction. You could have been, um, you could have been or feel like you've been defined because of one thing in your life or one one, um, you know, I feel, I, feel, um, I feel sick, I feel addicted, I feel broken, I feel poor, I feel unwell. If that's you, I believe that Jesus is willing and able to heal your affliction, not for any reason other than that's just the character of Christ. That's who Jesus is in our lives. We don't need to trade, we don't need to barter. There's sometimes an exchange that takes place, and, and I, I love it, and you know, um, Hillsong will write a great song about it called The Beautiful Exchange, but the great thing is, is that Jesus always trades up. Mm, that's right. Wouldn't you accept wholeness for your affliction? That's a good trait. <laughs> that's right. Our God is a God of restoration, and he's a God of transformation. Um, we're just going to have this space down here available. Two groups of people that I'd love. If, if, you've, if that's resonated with you, if you're like, um, if you're like cr- crying out because of a situation or, or, or an affliction or that, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to lift you up. It's going to be a simple prayer today because that's the whole deal. Jesus, help us. Jesus, see us in our situation. Jesus, see us in our affliction. Holy Spirit, begin to work in our lives. Um, for some of you, uh, I'm not sure of everyone's story in here, but for some of you, this might be the first time that you're actually going, man, I want to cry out to Jesus. I want to get to know this one, uh, this person, this saviour that would stop for the one. And the first step in that journey is to actually identify him as the saviour, identify him as the person that can help you in your situation. Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, Jesus that went to the cross. Have mercy on me. Let me pray for you guys, and then um, down here we've, we've got some great people that would love to pray for you, love to prophesy for you, love to encourage you, love to lift your hands up. 
Lord, I thank you so much for blind Bartimaeus. I thank you so much for um, that he had faith that Jesus was who he said he was and would do what he said he would do. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that we've come to you with our like, list of good things that we've done. We, we, we've come with our, our barter, like our trade-off. If you do this in my life, then I will you know, go to church forever or whatever. That's not your character. Your character is that you love us and that you are willing and you are able to speak into our situation and help us in our, in our moments that we need. In our, in our moments. In fact, you're, you're willing to help us every single day. It's your desire to journey with us. It's your desire to walk with us every single day. It's your desire that your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so, Lord, um, we love you. And we just thank you for that. And, Lord, as we um, head towards Easter, Lord, I just pray that we continue to have you at the forefront of our minds. That you're in the, you're in the big screen of our lives. That you're the focus of, of the way that we live our life. So that as, as, we, um, as we walk out from this place and into the world, we would be able to tell um, those around us and have the boldness to be able to share that you are our hope, you are our salvation, you are our healing, you are our rock, you are our refuge. That by our profession of testimony, by our, by our faith declarations, Lord, that people would come to know you. Lord, I just pray that as we come into Easter, that, um, that um, yeah, Lord, that as we prepare, uh, Lord, that you would heavenly ins- that you would inspire us, uh, that you would give us opportunities to speak into those lives around us, that we would be able to be hope for the hopeless, that we would be able to be light for the dark, uh, light in the darkness, that we would be able to be rescuers, that we would be great shepherds of those around us, that you've given us a mouth to speak. Let us have the boldness of the lion, that we would that we would uh, use our voice for good and for God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.